Let's go! What's up, guys? Welcome back to Bingetown TV. I am Paul, your host, and the three I have with me today are Luke, Jimmy, and B-Toms. And we are back with our Binge With Us series, talking gladiators today. We're talking about Spartacus, Blood, and Sand. I missed the last episode, so I'm hyped to be here to talk like one of my favorite shows of all time with you guys. Um, ten second recap of how this works. Two of us have seen it before, and two of us are watching for the first time. This episode of Finchtown, we'll be talking about episodes five through eight. And all right, let's just go right into it. Episode five, Shadow Games. This episode is fucking phenomenal. Everyone that doesn't even watch, make a friend that doesn't even watch this show watch this episode because they will watch the show after this one. So good. So I didn't get to talk about this last time because I missed last episode, but I watched Spartacus live for the first time when it was coming out. Um, my dad had stars and I walked in and he was watching this episode. So this was the first exposure I had to Spartacus. What a and good introduction. Yeah, Such I know. A good I was like, oh my God, like how many episodes did I miss so I can go back and watch them all? Um, so yeah, I mean, it starts out, um, they're in Capua and there's just absolutely no rain. Um, there's still a drought going on. Um, and the first thing we see is the senator stopping by to Lutus to talk to Baudiatis about the Primus for the upcoming games. And with him, he brings Salonius, who we know is another rival, uh, Lanista, to, to our, one of our main characters, Baudiatis. He's a snake. My first note here is literally Baudiatis hates Salonius. So much. <laughs> You can really like actually start to see their their physical like their relationship oh, yeah. is just so bad and chaotic and well, they, they hate each other. I mean, Salonius actively hits on Lucretia like in front of Badiatis, and it was okay. Well, maybe I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself because the power dynamics do kind of shift as this series progresses. Um, you mentioned the senator was there. I like when the senator's there because Badiatis and Salonius like are put in their place below the senator. It's almost like they are the equivalent of like what the gladiators are to Badiatis. Right. Know? It's oh, very yeah. funny to see them just absolutely know that they're dominated by the power of the That's senator. That's their uh, version of the corporate face. You know, you just gotta, you just gotta suck. Oh, yeah. You get <laughs> brown nosing. You know? Yeah. There's an obvious hierarchy, and like everybody knows who's in charge. Um, and it's funny too because. Um, when the senator comes in, Badiatis sees him. He's like, oh, like, welcome. And then, like, all of a sudden, Salonius walks around the corner. And Badiatis' <laughs> face is like, oh, God. You brought yeah, me. and Badiatis thought he was getting a major part of the Primus. He still ends up getting half of it. But he thought that this was his, his Primus. And then Salonius walks in. Now you know it's going to be half and half, yeah, you know? which is bullshit. So, yeah, they're, they're out, and they're overlooking the gladiator training. And the senator's saying, like, all right. Um, you know, Salonius is putting up a good guy. Like, who do you have? Who do you want to put up against? Well, no. Before even that, it gets to that. What you what uh, we find out is that Badiatis is being offered this role in the Primus against Salonius's man. We we get no comment about who this this uh, gladiator from Salonius' side is going to be. So, of course, Badiatis, being the cocky character that he is, is saying, you know. We got Crixus here. We got Spartacus here. Like we, yeah. you know, who better but the champion of Capua? Exactly. No one you can put up is going to even touch my gladiator. So that's why he's talking the way he is in the Tony way. In you know how he does. So. Well, he's just excited to have a shot at the Primus. Honestly, it's a great honor to be you know have your house represented in the Primus. It seems, and all he knows is that he 
is penciled in for a slot. Although we find out who Salonius's <laughs> champion is mm-hmm. in the you know coming scene, and we find out that it's Theocles, yeah. the, the shadow, shadow of, of death. death. Yeah, you can't just say Theocles. Oh, yeah. Of course not. And yes. Oh, have you not heard? Salonius <laughs> has purchased Theocles, and he'll be fighting in the Primus. Goes from the highest of highs to like, oh, Theocles. <laughs> that's who you know i gotta go up against and immediately body is just like oh i'm afraid the gods will be unpleased because this is not a fair match because theocles has fought against a hundred men and only one has ever came out alive so which we find out to be our very own doctore of wow. course and the magistrate does jump in and request that spartacus fight with Crixus together against Theocles. Yeah, yeah, Salonius actually throws that uh Oh, that was Salonius. Yeah, Salonius okay. is like, hey, how about your boy Spartacus? Uh, the crowd seemed to like him like way back when, so, you know, he's honestly saying Spartacus just to, you know. And this is a pretty unheard of uh, part uh, duo to put up in the Primus, especially because Spartacus... The last time he was in the arena, he basically disgraced his house by putting up the two fingers of defeat, and then we had the whole pit episode. So it, it's pretty weird to have um, to have Badiatis be putting up the undefeated Gaul, the champion of Capua, Crixus, along with the disgraced, now disgraced Spartacus. So it's just like an odd pairing, but as Salonius thinks in his head, like he, this is just a layup for him. They're gonna absolutely get crushed by Theocles. Oh yeah, the the crowd still hates him. Um, from his last showing, so it's you know it'll be a tough one. Well, it's, it's a good headline. Honestly, before we like keep going through the meat of this plot, they established so early on that this episode there's going to be a fight between Crixus plus Spartacus versus Theocles, and the entire episode I'm just like, when's it going to happen? I can't <laughs> wait for this fight. I just want to see this fight. I yeah, um, I literally have again on my notes. When they like, as I'm watching the episode, I see they that they're saying Crixus versus Theocles, and, and I was like, B. Toms wanted that epic fight, right? Then they oh, had yeah. Spartacus, and I'm like, all right, here we go. Yep. <laughs> B. Tom's dream. That's true. Those are the two things I wanted: Crixus to have a, a fight worth, you know, Crixus, and for Spartacus to start catching some dubs. <laughs> yeah. And so. you know, it's another important thing to notice that you know when this is announced to the gladiators. You know, Theocles being the one fighting Crixus and Spartacus, Doctore himself and Crixus both look pretty worried. You know, they both look like, I mean, we know that Theocles is a badass, but they're both visually, like, worried. Oh, they're not right. Yeah, you can just see them. And and we get it through dialogue later on that it's pretty much confirmed that the only reason Theocles is still participating in games like this is because he is straight up, he he bleeds for the arena. He just wants the glory. He doesn't need money anymore. He's such a legend already that the only reason he wants to do this is if he hears something like the undefeated goal, the champion of Capua, he just wants to take him out right away. So that's that's another huge motivator for why he would even participate in the games against someone who's disgraced like Spartacus. It's mostly because Crixus is going to be there and he wants that glory. Yeah, I didn't and, even know that. Yeah, and speaking of Doctora, he comes to uh, Badiatis and requests to fight Theocles himself in a rematch. Yeah. And Badiatis tells him that he's not the one that's requesting. His job is to get Spartacus and Crixus ready for the fight. Savage. Absolutely. He's like, no, 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 no. I'll go in there and take care of him. And he's like, no, you got to train. So that. can we can we jump right into the um the training session that Doctor gives? Is there anything we need to talk about in between? Uh no, just you know when they first when Bodyatus is first telling the gladiators, that's just such a cool scene 
because she's like, all right, like the senator's here to talk about games and Harspadiatis has claimed the primus and like, this is a big honor. Like uh, Crixus, step up. And then Crixus is all hype. He's like, of course the champion's going to the primus. And then he's like, Spartacus, step up. And everybody's like, what? Yeah. And he's like, you two are going to be fighting against Theocles, the shadow of death. And that's, yeah, like you were saying, visibly upset. They're absolutely visibly upset. Well, it goes without saying that, like, Crixus and Spartacus are rivals. So not only are they kind of worried to be facing Theocles, but, like, they don't want to be fighting together. Crixus has this whole honor code that almost prohibits him from fighting alongside anybody else, much less against Theocles. So he wants all the glory to himself. Yeah, uh, and I mean, it's evident because you, that they hate each other. The next scene when they're in the bathhouse together, Spartacus is saying, hey, like, we got to figure this out because we're going against Theocles. Like, this isn't a joke. And Crixus is like, just stay out of my way. I'll take care of it. And they escalated so much. And all of a sudden, Crixus is like, oh, yeah, like, your wife has probably been fucked by 100 Roman cocks by now. Oh, and like, it was like, Jesus, man, you're going to fight with this guy tomorrow. Um, so yeah, they obviously, you know, they, they have no hope it looks like, cause they can't even, they talk. can't work together at all. Yeah, yeah. Like they just hate each other. Yeah. Moving on to Doctore training them in the Ludus yards. I mean, they're just not working coherently at all. And Doctore is like, you know, handling them easily him versus those two. And he's essentially saying, if, if, if you two can't beat me, you're not going to stand a chance against Theocles. Like, you have to fight as one or this isn't going to work. What did you two new guys, Brian and Jimmy, think about when we got the um, the kind of storytelling from uh, Doc Torrey's point of view where we were cutting back and forth between when he drops his, uh, you know, he drops his... Armor. Yeah, he yeah. drops his armor and you see all the scars that Theocles gave him and he starts, like, talking him through. Oh, tell me about that. Yeah, it was like, so well done. I mean, like... He was like, I thought I saw a moment, a moment's opening, and I went on the advance, and then it like flashes to the arena, and just him getting slashed so across cool. the chest, and he yeah. was just like, I was wrong. He just, <laughs> like, he's so smart. I for it. He just, Doctor breaks it all down so easy. He's like, the first strike was swift and right at the mm -hmm. chest, and then it's so he, he has it down to a science, and that's why he's the best Doctor because he knows what your weaknesses and strengths are. Yeah. And now when we have uh, Sparkus and Crixus pretty much having a, a lot of trouble getting on the same page during the training, we have Bark and Asher watching from the side. Um, and Barkus says that he will never bet against Crixus. Asher explains how much the odds are in favor of Theocles and how it would be a huge bet to go against Theocles. So Ed Barkas says, you know what, I'm, I'll take it. And he puts a, a large sum on the money for that fight. And he's putting it on Crixus and Spartacus. Yeah, we're talking like payoff. Like Cincinnati Bengals are winning the Super Bowl this year. Like this is astronomical <laughs> yeah. odds. Like there's no way that Asher, you could just tell by how Asher receives the bet. He's not worried even a little bit. He thinks he just made a profit right there. He thinks it's free money. Exactly. exactly. And I love that Barca backed his boys because he he's a gladder. He seems to me like a gladiator that buys into the whole brotherhood of it all. Right, like, right. Kind of like how Crixus does. And that was just awesome to see. He was just like, I, I wouldn't bet against Crixus. Like, that's my guy. They got a shot here, and I'll put pennies on them to win, you know, and tenfold. This also kind of highlights what, how much of like a scumbag Asher is because – Earlier in the season, there was a situation where Spartacus was a huge underdog, and Asher was actually betting on Spartacus to win. Was that in the pits? 
No, that, that was, was beforehand. Just to, he was giving him the bread so that he could have he could so be he strong. Could win, but he it had was, money it was on early him. Yeah. on. Yeah. And so then the fact that at, at that point, you know, there was still hope that Asher maybe was a good character. He was believing in the underdog Spartacus. Maybe he thought he was going to be his friend or something. The, the audience thought he was going to he was going to be a friend or something. But at this point, you know, Asher is just completely looking out for himself. He doesn't care about anything but really money and just not being disrespected yeah he's he's scheming also of note with this pair i believe at this point in the episode they had gone and went searching uh following up on the mark that they found on the slave that made an attempt on body odyssey's life um they kind of they kind of bully some random guy in the streets bully is a very nice way of saying yeah that That was disgusting Um, and what they get his face and shove it in a rotting corpse with maggots in it and it goes you into do. his mouth. Oh. Gotta do what you gotta do. Uh, but they find out, they get a name, Ramus, uh, from him. So uh, he said the slaves that, that were trying to assassinate, assassinate Badiatis came from this guy, Ramus. Um, yeah. Another side note right here, too, during this time is Lucretia and Alithia having a moment together where Alithia offers to pay for a priestess of Juno to take a look at Lucretia and see if she can fix her fertility issues. Yeah, and, I mean, that was just wild because you just find out how annoying Alithia is. Like, the priestess is there. She's asking her these questions, giving her an exam, and Alithia's just sitting right there, like, whatever. And then she starts asking her you know, personal questions like, how many times do you make love? Um, is it, like, frequent? Um, is it more than one? And then, you know, Lucretia and Alithia kind of look at each other, and, you know, the priest is like, hey, maybe these are, you know, more private questions. And Alithia is like, oh, no, don't make me go. This is so interesting. Like, I want to see it. It's like, oh, my God. And can we quickly talk about the penis candle? That oh, quickly. Let's <laughs> oh, yeah. break it down, dude. <laughs> Who made that? Whose job was to be like, hey, go make a candle. Make it huge. Make every man feel inadequate. The fertility <laughs> candle. Yeah. And what she said, she was like, you have to bang before this candle. It, within an hour. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that so Lithia ends up leaving, letting Lucretia supposedly go get impregnated. And obviously she goes right for Crixus, right away. Well, uh, Body Otis is out. Yeah. Right. He's not available. So that's that's the whole thing is that she tells Alithia that Body Otis isn't available. So Alithia says, well, what about that other guy? Because she doesn't know that it's Crixus. She just knows there's another guy. Right. Uh, yeah. So I want to catch the story up. To get to the point where or why Body Otis is out. There you go. Okay. He's yeah. doing something noteworthy at the time. Uh, Barca tracks down this guy, Ramus, brings him to Body Otis, um, and they torture the crap out of him to the point of near death. And then they find out that um, it was uh, Avidius Avidius who provided the slaves to assassinate Body Otis. So, to bring it full circle, where why body Otis is out of the ludus forcing Lucretia to go to Crixus for this fertility ritual or just to have sex rather not a fertility ritual uh he is over giving Ovidius paying him a visit yeah and you know that was a crazy scene when body Otis comes in and to you know interrogate him because Bark is there with somebody else and you know they it's were interrogating Asher. him it was Asher Asher with him yep and they were interrogating him before he got there and like they were like ah oh, nothing and then Body Addis comes in, and you see how crazy this guy is. Because he's, like, freaking out. He gets the goblet and just starts wrecking him. And even Barca is like, yo. Yeah. Might be a little overkill there. Because he knows that if this, if that attempt on his life didn't happen, everything would be different right now. 
he would have profited majorly from Spartacus's death in the pits. You know, that, that whole thing only happened because of this attempt on his life. So basically all of his misfortunes that he, that where his house currently stands is a direct cause from Avidius. Right. Yes, yeah. video. and to right. so, you know and, rub salt yeah. in the wound, he was so mad. He was like, "You sent common fucking slaves to kill me!" Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. So while he's you know being a savage doing that, um, like we said, Lucretia is gonna summon Crixus. She's gonna try to, you know, take care of this ritual. You know, so Crixus actually comes up to her and says, you know, while she's trying to get him going, he says, um, "I don't know if I can. It's <laughs> gonna weaken me for battle the next yeah. day." And because Lucretia actually cares about him, she lets him go and says, I want you to be strong. I don't want you to die. And then we find out, really, he talks to Navy, and it's because he only wants her, and he doesn't care about being weak for battle the next right. day for Navia. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Wait, so w- quick question for the new guys again. Did you, if Badiatis and Crixus were both home at the time, and there was a way Lucretia could have banged either, do you think she still would have gone to Crixus, or do you think that was only... For convenience purposes. I think she would have went to Body Otis okay. personally. I agree. I agree. If he was out, she was just like, oh, Crixus will do. You know, he fits the bill. She has no problem having his kids. He's got the jeans. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. yeah. But I, I mean, mean I, I really do. Like, I'm pretty certain, like, in my opinion, that she would have went to Body Otis first just because they really do have a dynamic that they love each other and stuff. And, you know, she's got that thing going with Crixus, but I I, I do think she would have gone to Body Otis yeah, first. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I agree. Um, so anyway, uh, back to Badiatis at Ovidius's place. Oh, yeah. Um, it, I think the scene starts with Ovidius kind of like calling for his wife. He walks into the room and there was a massacre. All of his slaves are dead. His wife is dead. And Barca is kind of like just... He's just chilling. And then you see Badiatis kind of just... They're in, in the, the shadows. shadows control with his, with his kid. Yeah. yeah. Who is going to be, you know, the, the heir to Ovidius's house right right and he doesn't look happy no body artist does not look happy <laughs> at all um you can tell you know by the way he's holding the knife to the little kid right so it's <laughs> so they interrogate ovidius and they find out that it was salonius who orchestrated this whole assassination attempt on body Otis's life which surprised which fits nobody's surprised i'm not surprised <laughs> but yeah salonius and body Otis are like tom and jerry dude you just can't keep them away <laughs> from each other what this does is put even more weight on top of the theocles crixus spartacus fight because Absolutely. it's more now it's it's past just the money of the primus and the glory of the winner of the winning house now it's fucking personal and literally if theocles loses or if crixus loses you are destroying that house like they have i don't know what salonius also had like being at that level of like what crixus would be or what theocles would be but i mean especially for badiatis if crixus goes down he's screwed so Badiatis gives Barca the order to kill avidius and his son and you know walks away because he doesn't want to see that and so, you know, fast forward next day, um, you know, Varro and Spartacus get a real cool moment together real quick. And when they're going in before the fight and, you know, Varro's like, you know, I think you're going to win. You're too stubborn to die. Um, just a little bro moment. I um, love those moments, too, because that was post Varro winning his fight, right? Yes. He yeah. does all a lot, like 90% of his winning just kind of off screen. Right. So you you just have to know that. His his character development is happening, but like in terms of fighting, like he he's up there. He's a top tier. 
body artist fighter. Yeah, that's funny because in a little bit, a little bit later, maybe around six or episode six or seven, I do have a, like a note about he's getting that character development off screen because yeah. we're not seeing oh, him yeah. much, you yeah. know. You know, see him in training. Well, something develops on. Oh yeah, I mean, we get there, and it's then I then I pull it back when I. (laughs) Yeah, like he he does just get overshadowed by Spartacus. Is obviously crazy story and success, but Varro is already making Badiatus' money back for how much he you know came into into his service for. Yeah. So fast forward back to the. Uh, arena, you know, the crowd's getting really impatient and, you know, they're looking around and they say, what are we waiting for? Like, oh, the center will be here any second. He comes in and he goes, apologies for the delay. Um, Something horrible happened. Uh, You know, my cousin Alvidius and his whole family were murdered. And Badiatis goes, oh my God, that's such a tragedy. And like, looks straight at Salonius and goes, who would prompt such a thing? Is, so good. Part, so good. I like how Lucretia picks, like, reads up on the vibe real quick, and yeah. it's just like, oh, damn, Badiatis just killed Avidius and his entire family? What are you doing, Badiatis? I mean, she's damn good at that. Again, we'll get to it later, but she's really good at reading Badiatis. I was oh, going to yeah. say, Lucretia is one of the best actors in the show that you have to pay attention to what she's doing, like, as not the center of the stage. She's... Like, you know, she's Facial like a, she's like an A-list actress. She's been yeah. in a, a lot of things before this. So. Oh, yeah. I didn't get to say this episode one. Um, Lucretia, if you didn't know, is Xena, Princess Warrior, a.k.a. the first person to ever make me touch my body. Um, <laughs> God, I loved that show. All right. So let's jump right into the main event here. We have Spartacus and Crixus meeting Theocles in the arena. Now... I just want to say I wasn't expecting Theocles to look like that when he came out, the man. Ugly. So <laughs> the albino almost. I mean, like a monster almost. You know, like all like I mean, like Luke was saying earlier. I mean, he, he's and Doctor says he's taken a million, like a lot of cuts. He's never been, right. he's never been put down. So you expect him to be like scarred, but I mean, he looks like a monster, dude. And it's cool because he oh, was yeah. he was seven feet tall, whatever. That actor was enormous, and you need to ha- you need to be that big to have. That much strength, you know. Correct me if I'm wrong, but the shadows or the clouds oh, start yeah. to roll in as over the arena yes. as he comes in. It's a very imposing entrance. Yes, I mean I get in the Theocles. It gave him a little motif of like bagpipes. Like, well, I like the I like the contrast because Crixus and Spartacus come out into the arena and they're hyping up the crowd like Capua. You know, Crixus loves being in the arena. They're booing Spartacus. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Um, but the sun shining down on him, it's like this this brilliant scene. Yeah. And then Theocles, just by virtue of him entering the arena. Ground literally shaking. A hush, like... The shadow of death, baby. The shadow of death, yeah. Everybody and, everybody knows what he's And about. also, the, like, the double swords, man. The dual-wielding uh, dual swords, like so Jesus. Cool. That is the first time, I think, so far in the series where we see someone who has that fighting style. Right. Yeah. That's, personally, my favorite fighting style. I was about oh, to say, that's all like the gladiators. That's, like, universally accepted to be the most badass fighting so cool. style. Dual yes. swords, forget about it. Yes. Can't be beat. Okay, so, you know, both parties enter and they start to fight. And initially, Crixus and Spartacus are working together and yep. they pretty quickly handle business there and seemingly, you know, slash him a couple times across the belly. He falls and they start, you know, cheering and reveling in their victory. They're they- embodying everything that Doctori was instilling in them oh, in the yeah. uh, couple mm-hmm. scenes before. And it's That's- just like amazing mm-hmm. to see that because. These two characters, every time they're on the screen together before this, 
hate each other. They want to fucking kill each other. This right. It was just so epic to see one dodge, one slash. They're just going back and forth, working together. It was like an, it was awesome. I yeah, Doctor's advice perfectly. Attack and defend at the same time. Yes. Retreat, but advance. Oh, my God. It was so cool. It was I mean, fluid. And again, we have to give a nod to the choreography because they painted that picture like one was defending while the other one was getting ready to attack it was just so perfectly done and that that's like the only way they had a chance it was it was just so well done like i i love the fights in this show already yeah and theocles drops and they're like right was that it <laughs> i mean i i'm not even gonna lie to you i was gonna text you guys and be like really is that the end like obviously <laughs> i knew there was more time left on the episode but i was like wow i was not expecting the anti anticlimactic ending like that now, beat times, take us to what happens next. Hold so, on, wait, wait, let me jump in, though, because that 15 to 20 seconds of them knocking Theocles to the ground and, like, the dead silence just rushes through the entire crowd and they just kind of look at each other like, what the fuck just happened? And they take their helmets off and then they just start laughing. Like, that right. little moment right there is one of my favorite moments of the entire episode. Like, it's just so crazy because... They were building that brotherhood in front of our eyes, and they were becoming actual legends in front of our eyes as the tag team that took down the shadow of death. And it was just so fucking short-lived, and that made it even better. They were boys. They were boys for 10 seconds. They totally were. Like, I thought that right then and there, without even saying a word, they were going to bury the hatchet. Me too. They just, like, did the damn thing in the arena. But, of course, it wasn't that easy. Theocles just rises from the dead. He looked like The Undertaker in WWE. Yeah. Just coming out of the coffin. And uh, he he goes, he goes, Capua, shall I begin? Oh, my God. Not only is he ugly, he has the most disgusting voice of all time. And let's Uh do the quick rewind, too. I mean, when he's down and Crixus looks up at the the, uh, stage, she's looking at Badiatis. Lucretia, Navia. They all think yeah. <laughs> they're all looking relieved. They're all like looking down at him. And who is he looking at? You know, yeah, <laughs> Lucretia yeah. thinks he's looking at her. Navia thinks she's he's looking at her. But it, it and and it but it's it's pretty funny how that works out. All three of them have the exact same expression on their face of just longing and wanting some of that Crixus D yeah. <laughs> and like. I love that. That that just scene of the his three girls like looking down on him longingly. I just thought it was perfect. Yeah, it and lasted I, for like three seconds. And I gotta give some props to the gladiators. I mean, Docture, Varro. They're all watching from their cages, I guess you wanna say. And the legend of Theocles, they are all apprehensive, anxious. They're all Barca, like, holy shit. Yeah. You know? Oh my god. Even Barca, yeah, he's I like totally forgot about one of the coolest lines before they go out. Um, Crixus and Spartacus are standing, waiting for the gate to open, and Dactoria comes up. He's like, remember your training, blah, blah, blah. Kill that son of a whore. Yeah. And then yeah. he walks away. Yep. But, but when they are reacting after Theocles falls, all, falls, all the gladiators, you can just see the worry in Asher's face as well. They quickly yeah. like, show him. Definitely. He's like, fuck, fuck. <laughs> I'm going to lose a lot yeah. of money. All right, take us to the second half. So he rises up, and immediately once, once Theocles is back on his feet, Crixus shows apprehension to allowing Spartacus to help him in the fight. I think he goes as far as to, like, push him away with his shield. Crixus tries to take him on -on one-on-one and Theocles is too much for him to handle. Now, I have a question for you guys. and This is live question because we haven't talked about this before. So, early in the episode, Asher goes to Spartacus and says, you know, watch out for Crixus. He's not going to be your boy. He Mm -hmm. will kill you during the fight. Now, is he doing that to fuck with him so that he doesn't fight well because because he wants 
them not to fight well, or is this, this true? No, because in episode seven, Spartacus, and this is getting ahead of ourselves, but Spartacus visits Crixus in the infirmary, and uh, I think it was after Petrus is that whole thing happens, and they talk about the fight, reminiscing, and Crixus says something along the lines of, I honored you by not striking you down in the arena okay. like I could have. He he validates Asher's uh, story. Okay. Yeah, so that's Crixus, what I was, I was just wondering. Crixus definitely had it in his mind that he was going to kill Spartacus then and there. Also, Asher, at that moment, real quick, he says, like, you know, take my advice. I know from experience, Crixus only thinks about himself. Right. And then he says, you know, he did this to me and grabbed his leg. Seriously. That's yeah. You don't want us to comment further. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay. Saying, like yeah. you don't know. That's uh, that's it. Um. But good catch. No, that was a really good catch. Anyway, so Crixus tries to take him on one on one, and Theocles delivers a mortal wound. He kind of just Cri- handles Crixus. Yeah, Crixus is slashed. I think two really significant slashes. Yeah, makes him. Unable to contribute to this fight anymore. Yeah, one across the chest. Which turns him. Yeah, it turns yeah, around. Yeah. And that was the one big slice the one across the back. So he's out of it. And then... He goes for the kill there. He's, and Theocles does go for yes. the kill. He kind of like oh, wanders over yeah. to him. And all you hear is Spartacus from the distance go, Theocles! <laughs> <Yeah>. Dude, <laughs> I... It chills, man. Chills. I was like... Let's do it, Spartacus. Bring it home. Bring it home. Plot armor. He's going to live. But, like, bring it home. Bring it home. But how he does it. You know he's going to live, but how he does it. It's also cool because even though Crixus was so quick to discard Spartacus as an equal partner in the fight right there, you could tell that Spartacus, he didn't want, he doesn't want Crixus to die, like, in front of him, regardless of that. So, like, of course he's going to, you know... He's. It's gonna pay dividends of having saved Crixus, and you know. So that that moment to me was just awesome. He's like Theocles. <laughs> so Spartacus God. gets back in it. Crixus is kind of like, I guess, like keeping himself up by stabilizing with his shield. So his shield is propped on the ground, just kind of like laying up. And Spartacus gets into a full-on sprint, like uses the notch on the front of Crixus's <laughs> shield to just do a leaping lunge at Theocles and just get right into it. He's slashing, he's dashing, like he is fighting like we haven't seen any oh, No hesitation, man. Assassin's before. Creed style, baby. He's going Let's right into go. it with the legend Theocles, who took on Doctore. Like this is the baddest motherfucker that has been introduced <laughs> In Spartacus so far, and Spartacus is taking it to him. Like he is—he's just fighting with with. This, this show abandoned. gets your blood pumping like no oh, other. Yeah, like dude. really, <laughs> it's uh, whether it's the sex scenes or the fights, <laughs> your blood's gonna be pumping. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, he, Spartacus is literally going full fledged. You know, slice, slice, slice. Does he grab Crixus's sword? At this or is point, that... at this point, it is obvious that Theocles is still gonna overpowering him. him. Yeah. yeah, like it's mm-hmm. not gonna, it's gonna be a loss. But it, it's cool that Spartacus is holding his own. You know, yeah. fighting yeah. four house Badiatus. But and they show Crixus, you know, rig- wriggling around on the ground, like trying not to die. And all of a sudden, he starts scooting over to his helmet. Yeah. And then, yeah, so then he grabs the helmet, uses the sunlight off the helmet to temporarily blind Theocles. Which, come on. I mean, it was cool, but... (laughs) I know, I mean, I'll I'll take it. (laughs) It was cool, but Theocles felt like he got punched in the face. Because Crixus could have just not done that. He could have resigned himself to die. He could have allowed Spartacus to fall, too. So it shows that he wasn't 100% prideful in himself. And he he knows Crixus wants to do anything to win. He yielded... Pretty much 100% of the glory to Spartacus because 
Crixus was not involved in the killing of Theocles. That's Spartacus's whim. Also, it's really cool. That scene to me is really cool looking back after I've watched it a couple times. Um, they used, Brian mentioned it earlier, when Theocles walked into the arena and all the clouds came over the stadium, that literally became a plot point. Like yep. the re- when those clouds started to part is that moment when the sun was shining down onto the helmet. And that's when Crixus realized that he had his chance to actually help Spartacus pull off the fucking craziest comeback in the world. You know, I really liked that. I, I just love the dynamic that that's been established since episode one between Crixus and Spartacus. It's a great tip for tap back yeah. and forth. The Vegeta to his Goku in, in my Ooh. opinion. The Sasuke to his Naruto. Yeah, I'll, not allow really. I'll allow it. <laughs> Anyway, so Spartacus sees this happen. Like, Theocles completely gets kind of just blinded by, blinded by the light. Anybody? Anybody? Um, uh, Spartacus, I think he, like, slashes his leg, so immobilizes him, and then, you know, he goes in for the kill. What I loved is that he has to hack away, like, eight (laughs) just to break through his neck. Like, he's just chopping through a tree. This... This was the best. This was such a cool fight. It was just too, like... I'm so happy you guys yeah. feel this way. Because like, oh. if you didn't, I was done. I was done with the podcast. It was over. Yeah, yeah, we were going to cut it after this episode. <laughs> Five through eight were just so good, these episodes. <laughs> yeah. They really yeah, were. Yeah, yeah. They really were. Yeah. Um, anyway, though, once once he finally gets decapitated, the crowd's loving it. They're giving him the kill, kill, kill. Decapitates the Achilles. And the rain starts to fall. You know, they give the slow-mo shots going through the arena. You know, everybody has their tits out. They're cheering. (laughs) They're laughing because the drought is ended. And Spartacus is now going under the moniker, the bringer of rain. I love it. Love it. I love love it. it. And it jumps us right into the next episode. And as you could tell, we were pretty passionate about this episode. But for episodes six, seven, and eight for the rest of this podcast, we're gonna we're gonna kind of speed through the summary of the dialogue a little bit and just kind of you know. Yeah, we so can, yeah. You'll you'll see. So uh, episode six is called "Delicate Things" and opens up with Badiatis giving his victory speech. So after the battle with Theocles, Badiatis is addressing the Ludus and says the honor has been brought back to House Badiatis. And at this point, Badiatis names Spartacus the new champion of Capua. So little ownage to Crixus there. Um, <laughs> Lucretia is annoyed at this because she says to, to uh, Badiatis that Crixus was an integral part of this victory. You know, Badiatis states that if Crixus survives, he'll be revered in the Ludus. But he kind of, you know, brushes her off. Well, Badiatis, you can see the dollar signs in his eyes right now. He's like, I want to cash in on this success of Spartacus. We're going to change up his fighting style to mirror what Theocles was. We're going to give him dual swords. We're going to give him a a fresh new armor. Yeah, so he he sees Spartacus as the future of House Badiatis at this point. And this would have been like... It, the the primus of the last episode alone, just winning that would have been would have been enough for House Body Otis to get rich. But the fact that it also coincided with the rain coming down, and now everybody's going to associate Spartacus with because they all believe in gods and stuff like that. They're going to associate right. with Spartacus being the reason for that. It just like basically doubles oh. his popularity. And Spartacus actually says, "What more could the could the crowds want after I just beat Theocles and a." Body Otis has a great line. The crowd's appetite is a great beast that needs to be fed. Yep. I love the crowd. The crowd, yeah, the crowd at the arena is they're, so good. They're an important plot point in the show. Yeah, Definitely. the crowd is always right. But we also learned that Body Otis has 
found Sura, and that Sura is on her way to the Ludus by horse and carriage, and obviously Spartacus is really excited to hear this news. He gets to finally see Sura again. Uh, Spartacus walks out of the room to leave Lucretia with Badiatis. And Lucretia is a little upset. She tells Badiatis that she thinks that without the promise of eventually returning Sora back to Spartacus, that they're no longer going to have any leverage over him, and he's not going to follow their orders. So she's, you know, a little pissed that he's doing that, and he's, she's also mad that he basically murdered Avidius without telling her, without giving her any kind of notice. Um, but he explains to Badiatis, explains to her that Avidius sent the slaves to have him killed, and then he tells her that he did it under Salonius's orders. And then her face changes a little bit. Yeah, they both have solid points here. If I was Lucretia, I wouldn't want my husband keeping those big secrets from me, but he's keeping her in the dark to protect her. He said, I don't want that blood on your hands. Like, I'm in some shady dealings right now, and the farther away you are from that, the better. Yeah, and a quick, like, foreshadowing moment is Spartacus looking at Badiatis after he's told that Sir is on her way, and he says, you're an honorable man. Yeah. Well, we'll get into that later. <laughs> yep. Um, anyway, so the next scene is Spartacus and Doctore, actually, and Spartacus is now getting the treatment baby. of the champion of Capua. He has his, his own quarters. Um, and essentially, Doctore thanks him for endi- finally ending his shame and taking care of Theocles, because that's Doctore's probably his only defeat in his decorated gladi- gladiator career. He said, just thank you for, for ending my shame in that regard. Uh, he also finds out that when Sora arrives, she'll be living as a slave in the villa, which I don't know why Spartacus wasn't assuming that's what would be the plan. Yeah, but that's... it makes sense. And he got visibly angry at that, um, that she would be a slave uh, assisting the Domina. And then the final thing that we uh, see is Doctore giving him kind of like a reassurance that if you keep going on the trajectory that you're at right now, you're going to have the fame, the glory, and the money to buy your and Sora's freedom. Yeah, he says, you rise quickly, quickly... Or quicker than I've ever witnessed. Yeah. And that's high praise. I love Doctor. He's my favorite character. That's great to hear. Yeah, I, he's, I agree. He's a beast. Like, he's... I love his actor. Like, he can do any... Like, he's just his made to be perfect. the alpha male teacher. Yeah. Just, like, sensei kind of character. He's awesome. So, the next scene of note, uh, Barkham meets up with Asher and tells him, I want my money. Where's my yeah, money? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Astra says that no one believed that such, that Crixus uh, and Spartacus could actually beat Theocles. Then the odds were so ridiculous that he does not have any of the funds right now to pay Barca. So Barca threatens him and says, I want my money. Yeah. <laughs> Tired of you ducking me, man. Um, yeah, so Barca goes to Pietros and says um, he's going to buy both their freedom. Pietros is excited, but then he gets a little concerned because he finds out that Barca was the one who killed Avidius and his family, including the young son. But Barker then reassures Petros and tells him he would not harm a child. But Asher, our scheming Asher, is listening. Oh, yeah, right around the and corner. And he hears it. And you see the gears start turning oh, right he smirks. away from And that's him. all we know for now is that Asher knows that information, and he's clearly planning on weaponizing it against Barker. That, that was such a perfect storm. Barker yeah. is such a good character because he's such... The perfect, la- he's like right with Crixus, right? Like the perfect gladiator. Um, like right in the beginning of this episode, when Badiatis was giving the speech in the top of the balcony, like he says, like, you're champion of Capua, uh, Spartacus. 
And like all the gladiators are down there freaking out. And it pans over Barca real quick. And he's like arguably screaming and cheering the loudest. Like Crixus was his boy, but you know, Spartacus is in the brotherhood and you know, you'd be happy for your brothers. Yeah, so. man. Barca was one of my favorite characters. Like, even though he starts off like he's like you hate him in the first maybe episode or two as like Crixus is your little crony. Like he grows into himself and they start giving him layers of depth, like character depth with Petros and like everything he's got going on there. And even his personality, like what we find out later, like what he's saying to Petros is he's doing him a kindness of just trying to like save his, like, you know, be right. gentle and stuff like Bark is a good character, man. He's very he's well nice. written. Yeah. He is. He's little pigeons. He takes care of. <laughs> yeah. So after all the glory, all the hope of money, Sora coming on her way, Spark is still decides he's going to talk to Varro and tells him he's escaping. Yeah. He's leaving him. And, Soon as he finds out that Sir won't actually be with him, she'll be a slave. He says, "I don't want her to be a slave. Look how long it, it could take to, for me to buy my freedom. I can't have her deal with this. We're on our way out." Spartacus has a habit of biting off more than he can chew, oh, yeah. and he is so unwilling to accept, you know, his current circumstances. Never tell me all. the odds. Yeah. He never thinks of himself as a slave. He knows that his, you know, wife who was just found from Syria, shipped directly to his front door. He expects her to just be free right, right upon arriving right, to the right. Lutus. Like, he's just so delusional sometimes. Yeah. And, and that's, I, I was shitting on Spartacus in the first podcast episode. I'm just like, this guy's just got to be smarter about this. Like, he's trying to hurry everything along, but at the same time, you can't be like that. Well, it does make sense because you got to remember that he's from a whole nother country. He's from the country of Thrace, which... As we knew from the early episodes, it was more, it was a less advanced version of just any of the Romans right. at that time. So he doesn't even, he didn't know what he was even getting into when he got captured and sold to Capua. So he doesn't know. Like that's, that's pretty much what it's just dictating because, you know, the world was so big back then and just right. people were so different. Like he didn't know the Roman way. Yeah. So we have, we have Varro trying to talk him out of it and, and Spartac and, and every, at every angle, Varro is saying, but what about this? But what about this? But what about this? So we get a couple montages of how Spartacus believes he gonna, he's going to get out. Dope. It was Those cool. are cool scenes, cool. great scenes. And then we fast forward to you guys are already talking about a little bit. He's getting fit with his awesome armor. Well, hold up. Before we go away, the last thing that Varro brings up is that you're forgetting the one thing that probably oh, the only force yes. that can stop you. And it goes to Doctore showing up in this <laughs> hypothetical montage and stopping him just in his tracks. That, his yeah. Arm, yeah. And, that uh, was and so, Spartacus is just yeah. like, ooh, I didn't think of him. Yeah. <laughs> Doctore, the boss. Doctore, man. So cool. Um, so, yeah. So now he's getting fitted with for, with his armor or for his new armor. Uh, the magistrate and his son visit the Ludus. Uh, Spartacus invites the magistrate's son for a one-on-one -on -one training session because he sees that the son has a Thracian dagger. The, the son's gloating about, oh, I just, I want to be like you. I want to, I want to be a, a great warrior. And he shows that he bought a Thracian dagger at the market. Spartacus looks at it and says, this can be part of my plan. You know, and Badiatis doesn't realize, obviously, that that's why he's doing it. But he actually is happy because now he's going to have uh, some counsel with the magistrate mm -hmm. in his yeah. quarters, you know? Yeah, he's so smooth with it. He's like, hey, just come by the Lutus and uh, train with me and I'll, you know, make oh. you a gladiator. And um, Badiatis, you know, after the magistrate and his uh, nephew walk out, Badiatis looks at him and he goes, shrewd maneuvering. I'll make a Roman of you yet. Yeah. yeah. I love how Spartacus is kind of like, did I overstep my boundaries? He was just like, dude. 
right on, man. You got the magistrate coming to the Luda. It's funny because I, when you look at back at the episode, it's like they're both in that moment. They're both playing each other, and they're both yeah. like it, it's still it's just not to mention yeah. Badiatis just got done slaughtering Ovidius's entire family, yeah. which is the magistrate's cousin. Cousin, yeah. correct? Yeah, yeah. I love those scenes with those two because he's still trying. To play him like a like a yeah. fiddle, it's it's so funny. Can, speaking of that, can we jump to the result of the slaying of Avidius and talking about Barca? Just in this scene, it's worth noting that Spartacus wants to buy women and wine for all the other gladiators. Purposefully, because he wants, yes. yeah, because he wants yes. to make the guards all slow the next day, Un- hungover under the guise of a celebration for his victory against the Achilles. But we know that he's trying to take out anybody that could stop him yes. the next day. Yeah, so, you know, he gets his armor fitted, they're walking through the town, um, and it, one little cool thing, now that he's a champion of Capua, he's walking through the town with, you know, Badiatis, and the people around him are just gawking at him, they're like, applauding him as he's walking by, like, he is the champion Celebrity. of Capua, yep. mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and you know, Badiatis is just literally being a scuzz bag, and he's like, you can hear the coin falling into our purse <laughs> from all these people, just yeah. cheering. So anyway, the next scene of note is Spartacus actually teaching the magistrate's son. Uh, so there's kind of like two things going on in the same scene. Lucretia, Badiatis, they're talking up the magistrate while Spartacus is kind of fake, you know, dueling the magistrate's son, like, you know, teaching him stuff. But his eyes always on getting this Thracian dagger. Mm-hmm. Um so that's what's going on there. Anything yeah, of note? Yeah, he says, he was like, oh, yeah, you can't move. You can't fight as well because you have your big belt on. So you got to right. take it off. Smooth. Smooth. So at that point, a messenger arrives and and tells them that Avidius' son is actually alive and was found wandering around. So the magistrate and his son leave immediately, and that's where Spartacus steals the dagger. He does grab the dagger. Also, there's, there's a foreshadowing that... Uh, House Badiatis is gaining reputation and favor. I think he says something. The magistrate's son is having a birthday party, and they want a glad gladiator demonstration for that. And the magistrate says, all I've been hearing up until now was Salonius's men, but he's had a change of favor. Now he wants gladiators from the House of Badiatis. So oh. it's, it's just showing that this, this Theocles victory was huge for House Badiatis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so at this point, Badiatis and Lucretia cut to them. They're furious. They can't understand how the son's alive. You know, Badiatis says, Bark is my loyal guy. You know, he would not betray me. So he has no idea how the son's still alive. But Asher, the snake, jumps in. He's like, well... Oh, never mind, never mind. Yeah. And Lucretia's like, if you have knowledge, bring it to light. It's like, first of all, you could just say what? You didn't have to say eight words God, sometimes the way they talk is the worst but love the way they talk. <laughs> <laughs> um so she's like what and then bar or asha asher is like well barca was saying he wanted to buy his freedom and body doesn't like that he's like oh barca has never talked about freedom before why does he want to do that he's pissed but body does say he needs to hear this from another source somebody like pietro they need to fit he needs to hear it because he tr- he does trust barca you know, he wants to hear it from Barker. He says, I want to look him in the eyes and see because yeah. like I've said before, it seems like body has, you know, the respect goes both ways between him and his gladiators. You know, he, he to a certain extent does trust them. So he says, I want to hear it from Barker. Asher says, you know, people that are on trial are way more likely to spit lies. So they wind up with uh, Beatrice. Right. Yeah. So 
So Badiatis summons Pietrus, and they have a little back and forth, and and Badiatis tricks him into telling the truth. You know, mm-hmm. he he tells Pietrus, he said, you know, Avidius was had to happen, but his family, his kids, I can't, I just can't I can't have that on the soul. I can't have it on yeah, my heart. Right. And Pietrus thinks he's he's making him feel better. He thinks he's reassuring him, and he says, no, 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 don't worry, don't worry. Barca told me he didn't kill the son. The son is alive. Don't worry. God, they're so smart. Yeah. Everybody's a schemer in this day and age. Badiatis is just Littlefinger. Like, I cannot <laughs> help but make that comparison every time I see him, like, scheme But so like is Asher. Asher, Asher too, man. So Asher, Asher, too. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, Badiatis is, you know, like, all right, shit, I'm actually going to have to deal with this. Um, and then, you know, next scene, you see Spartacus is in the Medicus, and he sees Crixus on the table with all of his wounds still healing. Um, and says some little things to him, and he's like, ah, thank you for everything, but I'm sorry for this. And then, you know, shoves his fingers into his new wounds and, you know, makes him bleed again, freaks out. Medicus is like, all right, all right, give me that medicine. This will knock him out. And Spartacus is like, oh, this medicine? This yeah. medicine right here? <laughs> he uses the distraction to fill, fill the wine with it. And the anyway. whole point, obviously, is so he can get this this sleep medicine to right. put Doctori out so that he's not an obstacle when he makes his escape with Sarah. A little bit more backstory because Spartacus then goes to Doctore and we find out just how Doctore is even more of a badass. He says, I haven't drank in years. It's a matter of discipline, yep. not yeah. like wanting or anything like that. Uh, they have a heart to heart about their respective wives. Mm-hmm. It It's alluded to that Doctore's wife is dead. Um, and essentially, Spartacus is about to leave being denied, you know, I'm going to have to deal with Doctore in another way. And then at the end, he says, I won't drink to your victory but I will drink to your wife. And he downs the wine um, that was, you know, quote unquote, poisoned right. by Spartacus. So cool. He's just Dominus der Doctor is just the man. So the next <laughs> scene is Asher and Barca, I believe. Asher goes to the gladiator celebration. They're drinking. They're fucking whores. Orgy. It's, it's yeah, it's a great spectacle. Asher says. I got a loan to pay off your winnings. It's going to arrive tomorrow uh, in the same card as uh, Sura, I think he actually says. Um, But he says, you know, as good as you are in the arena, your negotiation skills could use some work. Why don't I go to kind of barter on your behalf for Badiatis to lower the price of your freedom? Right. So he gets Barca to go confront Badiatis. It's Asher. Barca and Badiatis in a room. You know, right away, Badiatis' tone, Barca is like, oh no, something's up. This is, something's happening. And mm-hmm. Badiatis tells him, he's like, you killed, um, you killed Avidius, but not his son, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. You basically put this whole house at risk of being caught and actually just crumbling. Accuses him of just betrayal is yeah. the big thing, betraying his his orders. I got betrayed by the fucking beast of Carthage. Uh, yeah. 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 Barca sticks to his story though. He said, "No, I I killed them all like if Beatrice's story didn't add up, it's because I lied to Beatrice right. because I I didn't want him to think that I was a murderer of children, but I you know, I did your bidding. I carried out the command." And it almost seems like Badiatis is kind of starting to oh, yeah. come around yep. to that. Yeah, he and is. Asher picks up on that real well, quick and stabs him in the back oh. just because he knows Barca's going to react. And yeah. that's the best way to ensure that Barca, you know, gets Honestly, silenced. I mean, Barca, uh, yeah, because Asher says, like, oh, he's lying. like, And you know that if he didn't quickly stab him there, he would have just got turned around and got his ass wet. Asher would have been gonna, Yeah. Exactly, because this was all 
boils down to Asher didn't have the money to pay Barca. Right. Like yep. he, it was eliminate Barca or I'm going to die tomorrow. That was the two options. So he went with fuck up Barca. It sucked. <laughs> badass, um, so, yeah. badass but, scene though, fighting off all all the uh, yeah. guards with no yeah. weapon either. He it dude, he's sweet. like he's got to be like the third strongest gladiator, right? Like at the time, she might be second. I would say. I mean, I mean, Naeus. Crixus, Spartacus. Well, Crixus Sparta. right now is, yeah, you yeah. Know, he's out of commission. I just yeah. want to say, too, man, it takes a long time and a lot of slashes and hits for people to die in Spartacus. Well, man. when you're they the take beast a of beating. Yeah. yeah, they take a beating, man. They're trained for it, though. They're trained that's, for yeah, it. Yeah, it's true. They're constantly being cut. Yeah, like it's so, a- anyway, Barca gets cut down and Badiatis delivers the final blow slits his throat right there he goes um, now you're free slits mm-hmm. his throat oh god sad sad scene and actually there was a scene right after that where it's confirmed that asher kind of conspired this whole thing he goes to i don't even know if he has a name but it's like a bum with like a mutilated face in the alleyway that uh, he yeah. kind of just has some shady dealings with and he says, you know, just says Barca's been silenced and, you know, you'll be safe. Like, it's never going to get back to yeah, us. He ha, said, ha, ha. make sure the messenger that gave the false message of the boy being alive, make sure he's right. taken care of. And he goes, unless Hades can talk, nobody's going to hear about yeah, it. Yeah, I like that line. And pretty much immediately after Barca is killed, the magistrate yep. runs in. Yeah. Yep. They're like, oh, quick, close the curtains. Yeah, like, we need to cover this. Because the get- pool is just red. There's yeah. a body. And he's like, oh, by the way... Vinny's son is dead. <laughs> yeah. So we found well, his body. Well, the magistrate is pissed, too. He said, oh. whoever that messenger is, like, get me a name because he lied to me. Yeah. He lied to the magistrate. Um, anyway, so that's kind of the end of that ordeal for now. The next scene is kind of the climax of the episode. Sura is coming into the Ludus. Yep. Uh, in, you know, horse and carriage, and we don't know where Spartacus's head is at. Is he going to go through with this plan, try and take on... You know this uh, this escape plan. Which... He has his armor on. He has the Thracian knife. It he looks does. like he, you know he's like he's looking at this cart come up. All these things are going through his head, and that's when he sees Doctore uh, waking up. You know, like he he clearly has is, is, has um, signs of being poisoned the night right. before. But uh, and he also has his whip in hand. Like he's he, Doctor yeah. knew something was wrong too. So can't even be drugged. Cause he's a beast, and he he's like he sees Spartacus. He gets you can see his face physically change to anger, yeah. and he starts walking towards him. But then Badiatis goes up to the guy driving the cart, and Spartacus starts walking up too. And then he's like, "Oh wait, something's not right." Yeah, the driver of the cart is bloodied all over. Um, Badiatis is actually there conversing with him. He says something like, they came out of nowhere. They overpowered us so quickly. Spartacus, I think, was walking towards the cart because he wanted to hold uh, Badiatis hostage. That's how he would make his escape. But he kind of reads the vibes and immediately just goes to the back of the cart to try and see if Sir is okay. Um, And she kind of is not okay. She's completely bloodied and seemingly dies in his arms right there and there. Like, the fact that she just lived long enough to see him and then dies in his arms, like, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Before the scene started, I I was, like, my mind was racing because I was like, I really don't think she's going to be in the—I thought it was going to be the wrong person, maybe, Mm -hmm. or something, like— I knew that they weren't going to be reunited at least this early. I I don't know if I was expecting her to die in his arms right there, 
So, I mean, that that was crazy. Another interesting thing that I thought, at least, this entire episode, it was pouring rain. Pretty much the minute Theocles died, it started raining. It hasn't stopped raining until the clouds part when Sura's carriage arrives at the Ludus, right mm. then and there. So it's kind of funny how in this show, the clouds are almost a good thing, and the rain is a good thing, and the sun is a plot device that signals something bad's going to happen or alludes to that. It's and another bad. another... Uh, piece of evidence that supports that is right when originally all the way back in episode one when when Spartacus gets to back to Sura and they have sex like in the in the cave whatever and the sun shines like out and that's when Glaber takes him and brings it. You're right. That, that's a great. That's a great observation. Absolutely. Um, but hold but- on. There was another cool thing that I noticed. I uh, wanted to say is honestly, besides the effect of what this would have on Spartacus' mental health, it was. Low-key, a little bit of a blessing that Sarah was dead, because if she wasn't dead right there, Doctore was going to kill Spartacus, like, right in front of Badiatis. Like, the only reason Doctore backed off and, like, just let the moment breathe and basically gave Spartacus a chance to redeem himself in future episodes was because he could relate with his wife of having passed. And, right. you know, he was ready. Doctore was ready to kill oh, Spartacus. Oh, that's a good point. That's yeah. a really good point. Yeah. That... That escape plan was never going to happen. No, I don't know. Spartacus was so delusional. So, yeah, you're right. He he would have died had Sura been alive. The body artist, you know, he walks away. He's walking back inside, stops right next to Lucretia, looks her in the eye and goes, he's reunited with his wife. I kept my word. And then smirks and walks off. I mean, and that's crazy because when it first happens, they show Lucretia before they show body artist, And I thought it was her. At first, like I thought she did, I was like, "Wow!" And then he walks right up to her, says what he says, and then she smirks, and you know it's him, obviously. But I mean, just the just the the acting back and forth between the th- the two of them with the three scenes, phenomenal. And that's the exact moment that Badiatis becomes unredeemable. He becomes yeah. the the enemy of the show, and that's now there's there's just no way that you could ever justify liking that character anymore, besides respecting him as a villain, because now he is basically the equivalent of Glaber. I want him fucking dead at this point, you know? Oh, yeah. Glaber's worse than Body Otis. He has no redeemable qualities. I, I still enjoy Body Otis whenever sure, he's like, on the screen. Glaber's just... I love good villains. Close. I'm just saying, he's yeah. a solidified villain. Though. Right. I mean, Body Otis uh, killed his wife. Glaber didn't kill Sarah. Just sold her into slavery and probably raped the shit out of her. Or let his men rape the but shit But Badiatis killed her, yeah. which anyway, is worse. Anyway. Spartacus wouldn't even be in Rome as a slave if it wasn't Yeah, Glaber's way worse, yeah. I agree. Glaber sucks. Anyway, so that pretty much wraps up episode six. Uh, going into episode seven, titled Great and Unfortunate Things. So we actually start off with the Spartacus and Sura flashback, right? Sex scene, to uh, be specific. Yeah. True. They're pillow talking, and Sarah is all of a sudden is like, wait, you don't even know my name. And he struggles, and he's like, and finally, she's like, my name's Sarah. And he goes, my name is, she cuts him off and goes, every woman knows who, uh, what your name is. And he says, why sleep with a man with such a bad reputation? And she goes, the gods. And she explains to him how the gods came to her in her dream and told her to, you know, go to Spartacus, and she's going to be the one that sets him on his path and sets him straight. She what? says... The gods came, and they told me of the man that you can become and that you'll never love another woman. Right. And this was also a good callback to the first episode of the series called The Red Serpent when Sura had that vision of the Red Serpent, which plays into the idea that you can kind of assume that Sura does have some sort of connection with the Spartacus Roman gods, you know? 
Right, so another scene that comes right after this is Lucretia asking Badiatis why he didn't just tell Spartacus that Sir was dead instead of paying so much money to have her killed. You know, and Badiatis explains that if Spartacus did not see her dead with his own eyes, he would never believe it. But now, she's dead, he knows it, and he can become a legendary gladiator following Badiatis. Which is actually tr- pretty genius. Which yeah. is true, that's exactly what Body. Or rather, Spartacus Spartacus would have done. He would have had to see the body. So that validation was necessary, definitely. Um, Another cool thing, uh, the Ludus did have like a funeral ceremony for Osura, which I thought was pretty cool, after which Badiatis comes in, puts on the fake BS mask, and apologizes. I should have sent Barca with the guard. I should have (laughs) tripled the guard. Oh, the gods curse me for being... How dare Badiatis say Barca's name, honestly? Uh, Honestly, well... I mean, that's not right. like Asher saying his name or anything. That's Asher's true. really the one that fucked him. That's true. Um, and then Spartacus, Spartacus kind of enables Badiatis by saying, "No, you're you're the honorable one. You kept your word and brought her to me." Oh, it's yeah, so hard I, to watch that scene. Right. I have in my notes. As soon as Spartacus says that, I'm like, "Villain, Badiatis, yep. <laughs> villain, villain, villain." Yep. Yeah. So the next thing we see, uh, Doctore is talking to Petrus, Petrus, and. Um, he slowly starts to realize that there's conflicting stories between different people. About Barca. About Barca. One right. thing we missed uh, to mention is last episode, right when Barca got killed, Navia was actually there and she saw the whole thing. Lucretia went right up to her and said, you didn't see any of this. This never happened. What happened tonight was Barca came in, you walked into the gates and you saw him off and that was it. Yeah, and Navia was obviously disturbed after seeing Barca killed, you know, and, and Lucretia slaps her in the face, you know, and says, you know, listen, he, he earned his freedom, you walked him out the door, that's it. Are, are so, you, yeah. so what Petrus says to Doctore, the the key piece of information is Doctore learns that Asher was involved in some way, shape, or form. Essentially, Petrus says... Last thing I saw was Barca going with Asher to debate his freedom, and Doctore immediately, he's like, Asher, what was he doing there? Because Asher's a little conniving weasel. Doctore is just playing like private investigator, and say, I like, love can it. He, he be more likable. Like can he literally like be more likable? Because who else would do wrong. it other right. than like Doctore? So, so that was great. He's um, so smart. Man. And also, when Doctore leaves Beatrice's quarters, uh, Neus walks in, yes. and the assumption is that. Neus rapes Beatrice. Right. Um, the next scene is that Crixus is awake. Right. Uh, so what? Ha- Lucretia. Lucretia comes in with Badiatis. Badiatis leaves the room to address something else, and Lucretia really quickly says, "I won't be able to see you, but I'll be sure to send Navia to your quarters <laughs> yeah. to tend to your wounds, this, that, and the other thing." I was like, "All right, win-win for everybody." That works. Yeah, that'll that'll do. She said, "I will send Navia often." <laughs> um, so that just worked out for everybody. Uh, and then we go to the Ludus. Yeah, and this part is another Doctore awesome scene. So cool. Yeah, Doctore automatically tells Spartacus that they're training partners today. And in the middle of their sparring session, he says he knows that he's going to attempt to escape. The only reason he's not being crucified right now is because he killed Theocles. He tells him if he ever tries to escape again, he's going to kill himself. Yeah, and you can believe it because even though Spartacus has elevated himself over the past episode or two, just like in terms of reputation and actually having some crazy fucking victories in the arena, 
Doctor still would easily overpower him. Just as if Theocles had a one-on-one with Spartacus again right in this moment, I'm sure Theocles would still win. Like he needed Crixus in that moment. So he's still not Spartacus is still not on the top tier level, and he's he's very self aware of that. Quick question for the uh, for the entire group: Who would win, Prime Crixus versus Spartacus, right here, right now, episode seven? I think Crixus. Pr- I as a newbie, I would still go Crixus. Correct. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I agree. I'd also agree. Okay. Cool. Spartacus uh, just like what, Spartacus still hasn't had that montage of training of where he goes through all these right. epic battles. So he's still relatively new. And Crixus is a he's a veteran. Like he is the champion of Capua for a reason. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, he literally was in the pit having those street fights thrown into the the match with Theocles with Crixus. That doesn't make him really any better as a gladiator. He's just more famous right now, you know. Crixus- See, it's the equivalent of like an und- uh, unranked college team beating like Alabama, number one ranked overall. Like they're gonna jump up, yep. but they're still not better than Clemson, number two. You know, that's kind of like that, right? Mm-hmm. Great metaphor, Luke. Oh my <laughs> gosh, yes, yes, a hundred percent. What he just said. Let's just end it right there. Um, anyway, yeah. Doctore, you know, after. They're going back and forth, going back and forth. Doctore says, next time you drug me, you best kill me. Doctore's a legend of the game. Yes. He can do no wrong. He yep. just shits gold. Um, anyway, while we're in the Ludus, Spartacus takes, like, no, it's significant. Spartacus sees that Beatrice has a black eye. Yeah. So Spartacus knows something's going on there. And at this point, Spartacus, you, you know he's, like, mentally breaking a little bit, dealing with Sarah's death and, Definitely. like, having to you know, just get over this. So he's, he's already unstable. So the next scene is body Um, I didn't catch the guy's name. It's Mercado. Mercado. I have like Mercado. Mercado. Body and Mercado are in the villa walking around. Essentially this Mercado guy, uh, a while ago had secured six gladiators for his upcoming games. Uh, they want to reenact one of Mercado's family victories in battle like his grandfather rufus mark yeah marcus uh minutius rufus um and it, the ba- uh the battle was uh, a thracian tribe um called the mad eye they invaded macedonia and then you know his grandfather marcus rufus famously fought them all off and slaughtered them so they want to react reenact this in the games and they want these six gladiators their prisoners to be killed off as Thracians. Well, they are Thracians. No, they're, they're dressed as Thracians. No, they're that's just, they're, they're, they're that's, just prisoners right. sentenced that's, to die, similar to what Spartacus came yes. in as. That, yeah. Right, because that, that's there. the point, because at first Spartacus says no, and, and Badiata says, listen, they're not actually Thracians. They're just in dress, Thracians. Gotcha, gotcha. Right. You're right. 100%. They um, just have long hair. They're all, they all have long right, hair. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, the, um, Mercado... Mercado, yes. Mer- yeah. Mercado had penciled in Crixus to play the role of Rufus, you know, the the lead Roman guy in this reenactment. But now that Crixus is out of commission, he says, well, I kind of want Spartacus now. Uh, and Badiatis immediately says, accepts that. So the next scene we have is Spartacus, Varro, and Asher is there too. Naeus is still kind of bullying Petrus, being a little bit more obvious about that relationship. Um, and there's a conversation between Spartacus and Varro, wherein Asher delivered a note to Varro's wife outside of the Ludus and said she didn't give me a response because she would have rather given it to you herself. So Varro's wife 
and kid come to the Ludus. And his face just lights up when, when he sees her. Uh, I mean, he's still, like, head over heels in love with her. Until he sees that baby bump. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, and I, I mean, <laughs> I knew something was going to be weird, like, why she was there. And, and her face the whole time, she's apprehensive. So that's when she tells Varro that she's pregnant, she's with child. And Var says, what, what are you talking about? She explains that it's a friend, but he forced himself on her. Uh, Varro gets pissed, but then she comes back at him and explains, like, you weren't there. You were busy gambling. You're here because of your gambling problems, because of this debt that you have to pay off. I had no one to protect me, and this is the result. You know, Bavaro still pissed off and storms off, pretty much. And there's something I want to note there, too. Um, so Bavaro's wife, her name Aurelia, what she does confirm for us, and it's not incredibly obvious when you're just watching the show for the first time, but the fact that she's that pregnant is just implies in itself that Varro and Spartacus have been there for probably a year. I mean, know, and he least. does say one more year left. Yep. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. So, so a lot of time has passed, and like you have to just accept that there's a like all the, even their training in the beginning was months and months, even though it was only lasted two episodes or something like that. Right. So. The next scene, we have Navia tending to Crixus's wounds in the Medicus, and Doctore comes in once again with his private investigator cap on. Yes, yes. And Crixus pretty much right away says, why is Barca not visit him? I mean, they're boys. You know, he's very surprised there's been no visits from Barca. Doctore explains that Barca bought his freedom, but he left Pietro- Petros. Mm-hmm. Crixus has a one-liner. He'd sooner part with his own cock than Petrus. Yeah, so Crixus says pretty much that line and says, I don't believe this. So um, Navia jumps in and says that she witnessed Barca leave through the gates. So again, Detective Doctore, he, he knows something's going on. He knows something's a little off. Love Detective Doctore. <laughs> That's the best kind of Doctore. D.D. Actually, that's not even close to true. Fighting <laughs> Doctore is the best Doctore. So a little bit later on, uh, we find out... Well, first we see pigeons are going all over the place, and that was kind of Barca's thing. Petrus took care of the pigeons after Barca left, but the pigeons are running amok. They're wondering why they go to Petrus's quarters, and he hung himself. He committed suicide. Spartacus is enraged. He goes out into the Ludus courtyard, what have you, immediately confronts Neus, tackles him to the ground, beats him up. Uh, Doctore kind of uh, breaks it off, and Neus says something that really puts Spartacus over the edge. Yeah. What so, was it? So, um... <laughs> over the edge, I said. That's yeah. funny. So, Spartacus has his uh, moment. He goes, Neus killed Piotrus. And Piotrus is standing there with bloody lips. He goes, he will be yeah. missed. Especially his lips around my cock. And then Spartacus, you know, just grabs him by the throat and yeets him off the cliff. Absolutely yeets him off the cliff. That was, oh, Spartacus, yeeting people off the cliff. Um, so yeah, Neus died and Spartacus can't just get away with that. You know, Neus was a very highly regarded gladiator. Um, and the next scene after this is Spartacus going to the Medicus to get his wounds addressed because there was an exchange between him and Neus and Crixus is in the Medicus. They have a conversation along the lines of, you know, really just describing the brotherhood of the gladiators. Crixus said that Spartacus's actions dishonored the brotherhood because he shouldn't have killed Neus at all. 
Uh, and here's where it's revealed. We actually said earlier in the pod that Crixus decided against ending Spartacus's life in the arena when they were facing Theocles. So that's that's something of note. Crixus is still out of commission at this point, obviously. A little bit later on, we have another conversation between Navy and Docture where Docture gets her alone. Right. Yeah, and at this point, that's where she says, you know, he's he's questioning her again, you know, oh, are you sure, you know, are you sure you were there, you said you saw, and she says, you know, you're going to get me in trouble if you keep if you keep asking me these kind of questions, pretty much confirming his suspicions. Mm-hmm. So, so Doctor goes straight to Asher. Right, jumps right to Asher, um, and he asks Asher himself— and Bar and he says Barkett left on his own accord. He, he was he was happy. He was so happy. Contradicted he bo- a little bit, right? There was like contradicted well, Navia. Yeah, so that's lying. right. Yes, right. So he's saying, you know, so happy. I, I had a tear in my eye watching him leave. You know, like, <laughs> right. and that's then a- uh, he neglects to say Navy was there to witness him leave. So Doc Tory tells him that something seems off. You know, he says like, was Navia there? You know, and and he's and Asher kind of stumbles a little bit, and he says. There's another truth to this matter. If he finds that out, they're going to have words. And you don't want to have words with Dr. A. <laughs> he just knows that there are conflicting stories and that the people involved are Navia and Asher. Yes. That's all he knows, but he knows something's going on. Right. So this gets us to the we arena, have one, the games, We have right? one more uh, sequence yeah. with Badiatis and Spartacus. Spartacus has another dream with Sura. Pretty much similar to the dream that started the episode where it's uh, talking about how she um, has the gods on her side. She can speak for the gods. They speak to her. Um, Badiatis comes in, and Badiatis at this point still doesn't know if Spart- what Spartacus is going to do. Is he going to fight for Badiatis, or is he going to be one of the Thracians that gets killed? Because that's what Badiatis said. He sent him to death if he-, if he doesn't listen to him. So he's saying he's placing himself in the hands of his gods, and do what his wife would want him to do, which is live. So Badi- he tells Badiatis that he will only take this fight if the six-on-one fight is literally, you know, he has no backup. Six-on-one, that's it. He does not want anybody on his side. And Badiatis kind of gets a little freaked out because, you know, he doesn't want Spartacus to die. That's his, that's his you know, right. goose egg, you know. So he, uh, he at first says, uh, I don't know, but then... Spartacus actually says, you know, here's a token of my loyalty my loyalty to you at this point now. And he shows him the knife. Badiatis, you know, he he pretty much says, like, put the past in the past. But if you do this fight, I'll give you the six on one. But if you do it and you win, you are Spartacus from now on. You leave the past in uh, behind. Yeah. And, you know, him giving that knife, as soon as he gives the knife to Badiatis, Badiatis is like, you know, if you were a normal slave, you'd be dead for having this. Right, right. right. Um, so that was a huge token, a huge gesture showing that Spartacus is ready to make the commitment to being a full-fledged gladiator. So that's the agreement heading into the games, and let's fast forward to the actual games. We're at Mar- Mercado's Games. I'm never going to get that name right. <laughs> uh, and right as we start the fight, Spartacus is kind of meditating, would yeah. you say? Um, and one of the Thracian, quote unquote, Thracian prisoners grazes him with a awesome spear scene. throw. I mean, he literally grazes him right across the cheek. He literally closes his eyes, opens his hands, says, you know, has that thought. It's in the hands of the gods. Yep. You see, like, Badiatis being like, what the hell's going on? Like, there's a, scene, there's a scene of him being apprehensive, and then 
it gets thrown slow yep. motion right across his cheek. You know? and, <laughs> well, that kind- and the slow smile smirk that Spartacus gets right after that happens. He's like, all right, man, time to go to work. Well, he smirks because it validates this whole present pre- uh, premise that the gods are on his side. And now right. he's kind of starting to buy into that himself and convince him that that's true. And I'll tell you right now, if you take a shot at the king, you best not miss. That's <laughs> oh, yeah. either going right through his brain or you're gonna, gonna die. die. You're dead. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, is that is that also the same guy that doesn't he see his own face yes. in like? With I don't know if it's hair? exactly that guy, but or that's the one end. of those. One of them. Yeah. Yeah. So in the beginning, he kind of does actually get overwhelmed by the numbers. The six v one kind of gets to him. He doesn't immediately start to win the fight. Right. Mercado right. turns the body eyes at one point and goes, "You know, my father did win this battle, right? Right. And he's being right. all worried and you know freaking out. So we see Sura again. Yes. Yes, he has another kind of sequence where he sees Sir and, and I believe she says the gods will send you on the proper path. Right. He, he hears her in his head, you know, he got knocked down to the ground, he stood back up, and then he hears Sir a voice and he's like, You're right, like It's not his time to die. This reminded me of the first episode when it was four against one and he heard Sura's voice With after the, getting just the red serpent yep. and battered, and then he just goes ballistic on those four and becomes Spartacus. This happens again after being, you know, revalidated by Sura's voice, kind of gets that will to carry on and to just win. And he massacres five of the slaves before seeing the final sixth slave. He he kind of sees his face. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's and a they're direct, all yeah, they're all given the kill. They're saying kill, yeah, kill, yeah. kill, and yeah. and Body Otis is looking at him. He, he doesn't know if he's going to do it, and that would ruin everything for him. Yeah, because that's the direct metaphor for him killing his old self. Because he's seeing right. his Thracian appearance, and now he has to make the decision and make the final kill. And I mean, before this episode, old Spartacus would leave him to live. I would say, don't you think? I mean, do you really think he would, like, I mean, he usually well, keeps people alive if he can, I mean. It's the difference between Sura being alive right. and not being alive. Now that she's dead, he doesn't really care about old Spartacus anymore. Right. She was everything for the old Spart or the old Thracian Spartacus, right. let's say. Right. Now that she's gone, he really has nothing to hold on to those memories for. Uh, and that leads us to he deals the final blow on the sixth Thracian prisoner who he saw his face in, and then he you know, turns to the crowd and says, I am Spartacus. And it's so very, it's chills. very triumphant. Yeah. I love Definite that. Definite chills. So many chills. And he doesn't even know how wrong he is for wanting to be Spartacus uh, right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know either. <laughs> yeah, me and Jason <laughs> don't know either. Um, well, I just mean that body tricked him into basically going through this path and he doesn't true. know that. yet. It's just so cool how Spartacus, you know, even, I think it was earlier in this episode, uh, somebody calls him Spartacus, and he goes, that's not my name, that's not what she called me, my name is, and he gets cut off, and he says, it doesn't matter anymore, and now, you know, him killing himself, that's officially, you know, it couldn't be more clear, he's done being that Thracian, he's now be, being Spartacus. Yep. And that sets us up. That's going to be the end of episode seven. Uh, guys, if you haven't realized, we were pretty passionate about episode five, that fight with Theocles. We went a little bit over our anticipated time. I know we said we were going to cover episodes five through eight. We're going to stop it right here at the end of episode seven. Uh, don't worry. With the next coming episodes, we're going to be sure to cover everything else. 
Um, but that's going to do it for the episode today. Uh, yeah, yeah. Any final thoughts, what you liked, what you're looking forward to, new guys? I mean, I want to see Glaber get his ass whooped. He hasn't been. We haven't seen him <laughs> yeah, yet. You know, a I mean, ends. I mean, they satisfied my hunger for. I'd left the last episode saying Spartacus needs a dub, and yeah. he he's on a roll right he now. He gets a so big dub. He does. Yeah, yeah I mean, dub. I was actually surprised. You know, three episodes no Glaber, and I thought he was going to be the main antagonist. But now we're seeing that Badiatis is taking that role for now. I mean, Alithia do does you know kind of take Glaber's. Uh, antagonist side Mm -hmm. but you know i i was surprised that there wasn't as much glabber we haven't seen glabber in a while um so i hope he he comes back to get his ass whooped that's a wrap for us guys if you like what you heard give binge town tv a follow on twitter instagram and be sure to subscribe to our show on spotify and apple once again we are binge town tv thanks for listening later